You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Um, welcome to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. As you all know, I am your host, Isaac Watson, and I have a topic today that I think is going to interest many of you, um, given the season that we're in uh, going into the latter end of 2020. Um, but before I get into that topic, I want to read a review from our listener, Tiffany. And Tiffany says, Isaac is consistent in dethroning fortified preconceived notions about the church and the kingdom of God while redirecting people to Jesus and freeing people from religiosity. He is a gem to the body of Christ and is filled with revelation. He's open to dialogue, which is usually shunned by others. Listen, Tiffany, thank you so much for your feedback. Um, That means a lot to me to know that you take time to listen to this podcast and these episodes that come. And I'm glad that you get uh, something from it. Hopefully many other listeners are getting something from these episodes as well. So again, thank you, Tiffany, for that. And um, with that being said, let's just take a moment now. And if you have not, go ahead and do what Tiffany did and leave a review um, for Church Talk with Isaac, especially if you've listened to more than two episodes. Um, You can kind of know this is, I believe, about the 41st episode of Church Talk with Isaac. Isaac every single week um, we've released new content and uh, if you've been uh, listening to it and you've not rated it yet I know uh, uh, sometimes you know you feel like you may not have the time to do so but I want to admonish you to take time and uh, about a minute or, or two and just think about how this podcast has been a blessing to you how it's helped you how it may have opened your eyes or given you a different perspective something uh, different to think about and just write on that and also take time and rate church talk with Isaac it makes this podcast more visible um to those who may be looking for um a Christian podcast such as this one or, or podcasts relating to the church and church things such as this one. So um, you not only do me a favor, but you also do um, other listeners and searchers uh, a favor as well by taking time to do that. So um, go ahead and do that. And I'm going to move right along and I want to jump into today's topic. Uh, you all know that we are in election season and uh, this has been a very interesting year. Um, as you all know, uh, we're in the process of voting for those of you who are voting and I want to encourage you to vote. Um, and, uh, during this season, there's a lot of things that comes up, uh, in relation to even the church in politics. Um, I've done a couple episodes sort of in the political field where we, where we've dealt with, uh, things like, um, the death penalty and, and and some other topics that we've dealt with in previous episodes. But I want to take today to talk about um, righteousness being enforced through politics. I want to talk about whether or not voting actually enforces God's righteousness. Um, and I've heard many different things. Actually, what prompted this episode was I was watching TV, which I don't actually I don't watch too much TV um, like TV, TV. 
um, like that. And I was watching TV and there was a, a televangelist that came on and he did an entire of a well-known televangelist. And he did a message on politics and talked about how we should vote and how, um, you know, the Ten Commandments should be, um, you know, should should remain or, 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 or should be kept up uh, in courtrooms and in the Supreme Court and uh, how God is enforcing. God is wanting to raise up righteous leaders who will enforce um, the righteous standards of God within America. And uh, I thought it was very interesting. I've heard many of those perspectives before, um, but I want to just kind of share my thoughts on this topic. Can voting enforce God's righteousness? Can voting enforce God's righteousness? And and one of the scriptures that's typically used um, with this idea is Proverbs 29 and 2. And um, this verse says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan, the people moan. So when the righteous are in authority, um, there's joy that's released over a city, over a community, over a state, over a nation. Um, but when people of wickedness are in authority, we see that there's great distress that's released over that uh, over that people. So I want to look at this. I want to look at um, different angles of what this actually looks like. Um, and, and you're going to hear some some concepts that may be different. Um, some some of you may even hear some concepts that you wholeheartedly believe, but you may not have heard it articulated uh, this way before. And it's going to help give you language to how you probably have already felt. All right. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand what righteousness actually looks like. Um, because there are many ideas of what righteousness is. And um, if you if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, you probably already have a picture of where I'm going with this. But we have to define righteousness because one of the things that we have to look at is by voting in a way that enforces the Bible. Does that also enforce God's righteousness when we vote in a way that in, that in, that enforces um, the commandments? Is that a way of enforcing God's righteousness um, when we vote, when we vote for things such as, you know, um, same sex uh, uh, marriages? You know, um, most Christians are going to vote against same sex marriages or when we vote things such as pro-life, where we vote um, against abortion and and uh, and uh, many other things. When we when we try to get laws and policies set in place where where prayer and where the Bible can be instituted within um, uh, curriculum, school curriculums, academic curriculums. Um, are these things things that God is concerned about? Are these things things that um, that actually allows people to establish a sense of righteousness over a country, over a nation to where God's blessing will then come upon that nation because of the laws that they are living and the laws that they are being governed by? All right. Let's deal with this because um, righteousness <laughs> to be quite honest, it may not be what we think it is. And uh, when we think about righteousness, oftentimes, and I want you all to hear me, when we vote according to the Ten Commandments, when we vote according to the law and we vote according to what the Bible says about a thing, are we actually doing God a favor or are we doing Moses a favor? I want you to think about that. When we vote according to the Ten Commandments and we vote according to the laws uh, of the Bible, are we doing God a favor or are we doing Moses a favor? All right. 
Now, because the thing is this, when we're dealing with righteousness being enforced, we have to understand what, what righteousness is. Uh, and uh, righteousness is, of course, being in right standing with God. So one of the things that we have to understand, if we are to be in right standing with God, we have to understand where God is standing. We have to understand upon what uh, principles God is standing upon. We have to understand, check this out, what covenant God is faithful to. Because if we are to stand in right standing with God, um, but we're standing on a on a different side of the covenant than where God is standing, are we actually in right standing with him? Are we actually righteous in his eyes? And if we are not righteous in his eyes, can we actually enforce the righteousness of God in a city, in a town, in a region if we are not enforcing um, principles along the same guidelines or laws or policies along the same guidelines of where God is? All right. So one of the things we have to understand now, I, I know that I have listeners from all around the world. But one thing that I um, as an American uh, in the United States, uh, one of the things that I need Americans to understand is that America is not a theocracy. America is not a theocracy. What does that mean? That means that America is not governed by Christian law. America is not governed by um, by God's rule necessarily. In theocracies, God empowers a people to act on behalf of himself. So if we look at the Old Testament, we see initially God had kings, excuse me, God had judges that were set in place to help to govern the nation of Israel. Those judges would be the ones who would act in legislation and understanding what God desired to do. All right. The people of Israel, they didn't want judges anymore. They got to a point to where they were looking at other nations and they said, God, um, we want a king like these other nations have kings. If you look at first Samuel, um, you begin to see that they began to say, God, we want kings like these other nations have kings. So God said, look, I'm going to give you a king. Uh, he raised up a man by the name of Saul and Saul became the first king of Israel. But the king was not um, something that was set in place because God desired for Israel to be ruled by a natural king in that time. The king was established because that's what the people wanted. So God gave them what they wanted. But initially, God always desired to have himself ruling over the people. And in a sense, he wanted a people that did not look towards um, man-made things that did not look towards rules that did not have to be governed by uh, a man in order for them to follow what he's saying. He was always one of the people who were led by his spirit. All right. So I need you all to understand that, that America is not a theocracy. All right. So when we try to enforce Christian laws upon America, we are trying to make America a theocracy. And I want you all to hear me because um, what I'm going to say is going uh, to to some people is going to be controversial. Um, but I, I just really want you all to hear. And I want you all to understand what I'm saying. Righteousness, you all, is not something that can be enforced by law. If that was the case, then we would still be under the law of Moses. The issue with the law of Moses was that the law of Moses was trying to enforce something um, and, and, and trying to bring people into subjection of the law of God in that day without the law actually being in their heart. 
And what we I, I want to look at Matthew chapter 23 quickly, 23, we're going to read 25 through 28. It says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, while indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. One of the things that we have to understand that Jesus is speaking to these Pharisees. Now, these were people who were keepers of the law. These were people who, and, and when I mention the law, I'm speaking of the law of Moses. These were people who were keepers of the law of Moses. They were given the responsibility to enforce and to become the example of what it looks like to live in accordance to the law of Moses. Jesus came and rebuked these men um, because uh, they were in an outward sense, um, fulfilling the law, or they were in an outward sense, uh, enforcing law, but inwardly there was no change. There was no, there was no, um, there was no, um, there was no change in their inner man. There was no change within their heart. And when we look at what righteousness is, we have to understand that we are not a part of the old. We are a part of a new covenant. I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about Christians. And the sad reality is that many Christians have a difficult time fully embracing the new because they have a hard time letting go of the old. So we need rules. We need people to tell us what to do. We need the we 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 need laws written down on paper in uh, in order to live righteously. When the fact of the matter is that the new covenant is not a covenant where we have to rely on 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 commandments as written on stone anymore. Under the new covenant, the laws of God are written written upon our heart. In the new covenant, we're not guided by lists of rules. In the new covenant, we're guided by the law of love. And we're guided by the nature of Jesus living inside of us. All right. This is what Paul in uh, Galatians and in other places. This is what Paul calls living by the spirit is living according to the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of us. It's being able to manifest our true nature as sons of God by being led of the Holy Spirit, which leads us into a lifestyle of sonship. When you fully embrace the new covenant, um, you live by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When you fully embrace the new covenant and you fully embrace the Holy Spirit, um, we understand that the Holy Spirit is the seal. It is it is it is the seal that shows forth the promise of our redemption. So the Holy Spirit is that person is that is that person of God living in us that leads us into a lifestyle of understanding what it looks like to be sons of God. So what we what we have to understand is that um, there's no laws that can be enforced or that can be set in place that would make you righteous. Because under the new covenant, we're not beat into subjection. In the new covenant, we're not forced into righteousness because righteousness, according to Jesus, is not a matter of outward rule. It is a matter of inward rule and a ruling of the heart. Now, this is sometimes hard for us to understand because we don't we don't uh, to be quite honest, we like to be told what to do. So what we have to understand, really, 
is that when we are being led by the spirit of God, we have to understand what law we're living from. It is important, y'all, that we live on the right side of the covenant. Let's take certain prophets, for example, um, prophets who cry out righteousness like like we have a lot of prophets who who get involved in politics and they want to see the righteousness of God restored in America. Um, I believe righteousness can be restored. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But but typically we have to look at this. I believe that when many prophets cry out righteousness, they really mean Moses. Can I say that again? I believe that when many prophets cry out for righteousness, what they're really crying out for is Moses. And I believe that's because many of them translate righteousness through the law of Moses instead of through the law of Christ. Um, so when they say we need righteousness restored in America, they're really they're actually saying we need the Ten Commandments restored in America. And the only issue with that is that the Ten Commandments never enforced righteousness. It only made people more sinful. It made them more aware uh, of their sinfulness and it fueled their sinfulness. Um, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that uh, he said, Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? He said that the sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin and the, and the strength of sin is the law. So actually the law did not enforce righteousness it enforced sinfulness. So what do we need to do in order to enforce Righteousness. Uh, if voting can enforce God's righteousness, then we have to ask ourselves, why do we vote to establish God's law or why do we vote to establish Moses? This is what I believe. All right. I did a lot of talk about just the differences between the two. And but let's talk about what I what I do believe. Just really briefly. I'm going to try to do it in three minutes. All right. I believe that righteousness is not a matter of who you vote for. Righteousness is not a matter of what policies are set in place. Righteousness is solely predicated upon our encountering Jesus, our encountering Jesus's love, our encounter and, and through encountering Jesus's love, coming into agreement with who what he says about us, who he says we are and embracing the fact that we become the righteousness of God It's not a matter of outward uh, boundaries and restrictions being put upon an, around a people or a country or a nation. And, and, and this is why, because you can set laws in place, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those laws are going to get into people's hearts. As a matter of fact, the only thing that we've saw laws that we've seen the law of Moses actually do is build rebellion on the inside of people. I think that we as believers have to stop being lazy and we have to become we have to stop relying on the government. We have to stop relying on politicians. We have to stop relying on policies to do what God has empowered his church to do. It is the power of the gospel that brings about righteousness. It's the it's it's realizing the power uh, uh, of sonship that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings transformation of the heart, which then begins to reflect in our lives. So what am I saying? I'm saying that righteousness has absolutely nothing to do with with whether or not you vote red or whether or not you vote blue. Righteousness has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you vote for abortion or against abortion, whether or not you vote for same sex marriage or against same sex marriage. Righteousness has everything to do with the reflection of God's love upon being received upon your heart. And it's 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 
its manifestation being exemplified through your life. If we can get more people to encounter Jesus, if we can get more people to experience the love of God and we live under our lives are governed under the new covenant law, which is what Jesus said. This 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 new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you. If we begin to to um, to live our lives from that reality, that is how we begin to see righteousness in force. I don't care if if the if if the uh, the candidate uh, um, um, lives or or, or uh, uh, says that he's he or she is going to enforce uh, policies and laws according to the Ten Commandments. That does not make them righteous. And I'm not saying it makes them unrighteous, but it does not make them righteous. Now, this is the thing. If you get someone in office that truly loves God, who has who lives by the law of Christ, who understands that and they and they're able to through that navigate in a way to where to, to where they put policies in place based upon their convictions being in connection to the covenant of Christ. Even that doesn't enforce righteousness, but it's good to have a righteous man or a righteous woman um, in, a, in authority. If we really want to see righteousness restored, it begins with the gospel. It don't begin in the courtroom. Can I say that again? It begins with the gospel. It don't begin in the Supreme Court. It don't it don't begin in the executive uh, 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 office. All right. So um, I believe that God is bringing us to a realization, uh, a greater reality of what it looks like to step all the way into the new covenant. Uh, and uh, and in doing so, we will stop trying to drag the law over into the covenant that we are a part of because, you know, God is faithful to the covenant that he established with his son with Jesus Christ. He he is he is faithful to the to the new covenant, the the covenant that says, look, I'm not going to take away your freedoms from you. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my law upon your heart and I'm going to cause you to live by. I'm going to give you the opportunity to live by your own convictions up um, through the Holy Spirit um, if you decide to yield to that. So um, I hope that this gave you a different perspective heard so many different things um, on this topic, but I just wanted and of course, I couldn't share everything in a short amount of time, uh, but I did want to give you this. All right. So listen, I love you all. Thanks for tuning in to Church Talk with Isaac. I hope this helped some of you help to give you some some different perspectives. I pray you have a great week. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.